Welcome to the jungle, everyone. You're here with your hosts, Andrea. And Victoria. And I'm sure you can guess, but this episode, we're going to be talking about Guns N' Roses. Take Take me me down down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Yeah, so this is a very, very popular band and still widely respected and adored. So we'll start with um, their band members. Some of the original members are... Axel Rose, who is the lead vocalist, Slash, as his name, is the lead guitarist. Person Duff McKagan is the bass yeah. player. Um, Izzy Stradlin, the rhythm guitarist. And the first drummer was Steve Adler. And so a little bit about these names. Several of them are not their real names. So Axel Rose was not named that. He was actually William Bruce Bailey. What? And commonly called like Billy. Batman. He was known as... <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, known as Billy for oh. a lot of them. And for Izzy, he knew Izzy because they both grew up in Indiana. And Izzy knew him as Billy for a long time. Oh, wow. And um, Izzy's his real name, though. Izzy yeah. and Billy. Oh, no. He's Jeff yeah. Isbell. So probably Izzy from Isbell. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And Slash, that, you know, is not his real name. <laughs> and I'm sure people, even if they didn't know who he was, I'm sure people recognize him. Oh, he's like iconic. The, like, you, yeah. Um, his real name is Saul Hudson. Yes, I knew that. And Duff McKagan is actually Michael. Steven Adler is Steven Adler. So, um, yeah. And then later on, there's going to be another drummer named Matt Sorum. So pretty typical name still there. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit about them. So Slash was born in England. Oh. And his mother, so he's um, half black and half white. And his mother, Ola Hudson, she was a professional costume designer for many musicians and she even styled people like John Lennon and David Bowie, Ringo what? Starr, Diana Ross. And she dated David Bowie for a while. So, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, right? So um, Slash is like in one of or a couple of the interviews is like, yeah, I hated David Bowie for a while because like his mom was dating him. And oh when he gosh. was like younger, I want to say it was like when he was like seven or eight. And uh-huh. David Bowie's like, he said... <laughs> Something like, yeah, he like tucked me into bed and like stuff and was like not, you know, Whoa. you know, the mom's boyfriend. So not yeah. super big fan. Um, but he mentioned like, I thought he was cool, like because it's David Bowie, but also like not because he's my mom's boyfriend. <laughs> so that had to be really weird. Um, and Reading David Bowie actually um, will come up later. I got to remember to bring him up later and something else. Yeah. Um, and his dad, Anthony Hudson, did album cover artwork for Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. So, like, they were both pretty big. But they did move to L.A. So he came to America and Mm. was, you know, raised in America after that. Um, And he met the drummer, Stephen Adler, in middle school, played music together. They both dropped out of high school. Izzy Stradlin and Axl Rose became friends in high school in Indiana. And at some point, so how I said Axl was originally William Bailey Mm -hmm. or Billy Bailey, um that was based on his stepfather's last name and i guess his mom made it sound or didn't really tell him the truth or something because he thought that was his real father and when he found out his real father was named william rose he started calling himself like w rose or like Mm -hmm. william rose and then he was eventually involved in a band called axel axl so he went by w axel rose and then eventually just dropped the w yeah, so Izzy, when he graduated in Indiana, he went to L.A., and Axel pretty much just, like, followed him there after a while. So eventually they all four end up in L.A. And Izzy was in 
a cross-dressing band called Naughty Women for a couple months. Oh. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so Guns N' Roses formed in 1985, but something to note. So Axl Rose, Annie Z. Stradlin, and for a little while Slash and Steven Adler were all part of a band called Hollywood Rose. But then at some point, some of the members were also part of a band called L.A. Guns with a band member named Tracy Guns. And that's important because eventually they decided to merge the bands. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get Guns N' Roses because of Axel's like last name and then this person, Tracy Guns, um, who they still like kind of reference a lot in their Guns N' Roses history, Mm -hmm. but um, not as influential with their albums. So by the time the albums are coming, Tracy Guns is out of the picture. But Tracy Guns was originally in the band and then dropped out right away Mm -hmm. and Slash and Steven Adler became part of the band. All right, so they officially are Guns N' Roses in 1985. And before any of their album releases, they wanted to like launch a West Coast tour. And so they're doing like the, we, we talk about with most bands, they do like the LA clubs and bars and all that and get a following and all that. And they head to Seattle from LA thinking like, let's, you know, go up and down the coast and, you know, make a name for ourselves. And... Their car broke down right outside of mm. LA, so they ditched a lot of their equipment and hitchhiked their way north. Oh, jeez. And so they played in a lot of places, but didn't get a whole lot of money out of it. So, because they're pretty much still unknown at that point, mm-hmm. especially like outside of LA. And did was not as, success, as successful as they'd hoped. So they hitchhiked back to LA and they called it like the Hell Tour and oh. just kind of refer to it more as like, that's how they first bonded as a band and like what kind of helped them get that chemistry going for their first album that was still to come that makes sense so then you'd have to bond for something yeah for sure and so their first album is appetite for destruction which was released in july of 1987 Mm -hmm. this is the best-selling debut album of all time and yeah so it's the best like still to this day that's funny and that we're doing them right after boston because boston had one of the best selling yeah so i think boston is... was like two or three number two or three okay. like they're they're up there and guns and roses is like yeah boston right had above. like 17 million in the u.s and 20 million worldwide um mm-hmm. that was what their numbers were for their the sales of their debut album um so i wonder what I guns think, and roses i think they were 18 million in the u.s 30 million worldwide. Okay. So, yeah. That's... Yeah. That's crazy. So huge for a debut album. Like, I think we talked about this with Van Halen, too, where I was like, man, like, they just right out of the gate, like, had huge hits. So they had Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise City, among, like, other great ones. And I think their first single was called It's So Easy (laughs) and, like, one that we aren't even as familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the album, I'm not sure if you can picture it, but it's The Cross... With the five skulls of them, like, made with their hair and all that to look like them. But originally, their album artwork was something else and considered too controversial, which is another common, like, theme in our episodes. Yeah, that was Scorpion's a lot of controversial albums. And it was originally a monster with, like, these red or maybe, like, bloody daggers for teeth. Mm -hmm. And it's attacking a robot. Who seems to have assaulted a woman. Yeah. And so 
they were like probably too controversial so they changed it and yeah so the welcome to the jungle didn't really perform well in the u.s until the music video started being played and that's because david geffen of the record label called in a favor with mtv and was like Go ahead. You okay. I'm, I'm oh. killing a mosquito. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> Sorry. Did well, you see my butt or something? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm not wearing it. I mean, I'm wearing undies, but I'm not wearing. Uh, I just was not expecting that. I have the screen really large on my computer, so I was not expecting to see ass tonight. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I had to All right, kill that mosquito. So, I didn't want it to it bit my leg. That was so rock and roll of you. So rock and roll. <laughs> Look, I podcasted um, my undies. Sorry. Yeah. We record these um, so, at like, it's 1130 at night, y'all. <laughs> um, so Welcome to the Jungle, which is like obviously one of their biggest hits. It did not perform well until the music video started being played on MTV's After Hours. And oh, that was supposed yeah. to kind of be like a one-time favor thing. That mm-hmm. the record label um, called in and they were they played it at like, I don't know, like 4 a.m. <laughs> but enough people saw it and were into it and so called and requested. And that's how it oh, kind of nice. got those listens in and everything. Mm-hmm. And probably not surprising, but it's about Los Angeles and the Sunset Strip and how the city offered like fame and money and like all these mm-hmm. attractions. But there's also addiction, right. danger, like poverty like so much when you're high you never want to come trouble down. yeah it's just so much trouble also and that hugely iconic line like you know where you are you're in the you're jungle, jungle baby. baby you're gonna die that yeah. one was supposedly when axel and a friend were getting off of a bus in new york and a homeless man <gasps> yelled that to them and oh. one one of the stories said that it's like to scare the runaways, you know, I'm sure, especially yeah. back then, a lot of people just like taking the bus to go to New York or mm-hmm. all these cities. And yeah, it was just to scare them. And so they were like, ooh, or Axel was like, I'm using that. Yeah, I would say that's my favorite Guns N' Roses song is Welcome to the Jungle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I never understood how he was able to m- do the shanana like so fast. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand. Kind of like Steven Tyler, too. He does, like, really fast. Um, kind of like Busta Rhymes. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how they do that. But that was always uh, one of my favorites is the... Like, I, I can't even, even try to do it. But I mean, Axel is known as, like, one of the best vocalists of all time. Just, like, yeah. the things he can do with his voice is, like, pretty insane. Like, the high pitch and just, like, the power behind all of that still is really crazy yeah and sweet child of mine was the next single and it was written for axel's girlfriend at the time later becomes his wife briefly um erin everly and she's the daughter of don everly of the everly brothers which we have talked about already and so yeah and so i guess that was like a pretty toxic relationship but something that i thought was interesting i only saw it in one place so this is i'm gonna say supposedly um, on the music video for It's So Easy, Aaron is in the video and David Bowie is like a, a <sighs> small part in it. What? But apparently Bowie was like late and was like tipsy or drunk and was like hitting on her. And so Axl Rose was like pissed off. And, and Slash was like, so. hey, dad. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Uh-huh. And then they have a song on there. Um, I'm not sure if you would recognize it. I didn't recognize it at first, but it is a good song. Uh-huh. It's called Mr. Brownstone, and it was written by Slash and Izzy. Uh-huh. And it's pretty clear from the lyrics, but yeah. um, it is about their addiction to heroin. Yeah, that drug just becomes like... It's just like in all the episodes pretty much at some point. Yeah, it's... It's And then something worth noting Mm -hmm. is... So they tour. This was in in 1987 that this album's released. And so they go on tour for it. And they kind of have a reputation, not as like a band of like excess and all that, but they're like a dangerous band. Because in New York, they had shows in August of 88 and riots almost broke out there. And then... In England, they were part of a Monsters of Rock festival, and there was two fans who were crushed to death. Ooh. And that, like, yeah, that, like, really, really affected them, obviously, because they were like, that's just crazy. Like, they didn't find out till after the show that someone told them, like, oh, yeah. that that had happened. And they were like, you mean people came to listen to music, and then they just never left. Like, that's... And yeah. they were just... You could tell even from, like, their quotes on it, and I watched one of the videos of it, and they were mm-hmm. just, like, still really taken aback by it. Yeah. So at this point, the media named them named them the most dangerous band in the world. Wow. And yeah, and then two parts that are interesting. Um, I mean, two other parts is on that Appetite for Destruction tour. Um, Stephen Adler broke his hand in a fight and was replaced for eight shows by Fred Curry of Cinderella. Hey, which these bands just like lend themselves yeah. to each other all the time. And then this is a little later, but in, in 1989 uh, at the AMA American Music Awards show. Um, when Adler went to rehab, Don Henley of the Eagles played for him. So I was like, hey, I got to oh, include wow. that because I love Don Henley. Um, nice. Yeah, that, that was interesting. So, yeah, so that album was just like massive worldwide. It didn't start off that way, but it became mm-hmm. huge. And obviously it's like still the top one to this day. So massive. And then pretty soon after, so November of 1988, they released their second album, GNR Lies. Okay. And this is this is one that has patience that we both love. But there was one song that was really awful, like really awful. It's called One in a Million and it's super full of hate. Mm-hmm. And it's just I mean, if you look at the lyrics, it, it's yeah, I'm looking right now. Just awful. Yeah. Ooh, just right into it. Yeah, so they got shit for it even back then. And I can imagine now if it was released. 1988, they're singing this? Yeah. I'm surprised the record label was like, yeah, that's yeah, sounds good to me. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Different time for sure. Yeah, but but so... also, like, in some interviews, he seemed to be like, no, I, I didn't mean it like that. And in others, he's like, oh, well, I use that word to just mean, like, low lives. Or he just, like, kind of There's... doesn't have, like, one story he's sticking to. Yeah. And... I mean... I guess there's other things where they, like, got in fights and, you know, got in trouble for other things mm-hmm. that kind of seem like, well, maybe he just believes all this stuff. Yeah, I, well, I um, mean, like... And it's not... This, these lyrics are not like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. Like, they're pretty... Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty clear. Yeah, pretty yeah. clear. And it's not just, like, one slur. It's, like, multiple slurs against multiple demographics. Yeah, so he was accused... Like, even back then, it did cause outrage, yeah. like... About being like wow, you're I've homophobic, you're racist, you're yeah. I had never heard that song That's either, crazy. and um, yeah, not a great song by any means. Oh, the next one. So supposedly in one of the concerts, Axel, and this is a reference to a song on their first album, but it happened during 
the second album's release Mm -hmm. and tour. Um, He said, I hate to do this on stage, but I tried every other fucking way. And unless certain people in this band get their shit together, these will be the last Guns N' Roses shows you'll ever fucking see. Because I'm tired of too many people in this organization dancing with with Mr. I know you don't like the word goddamn brownstone. So because of that being heroin, and that was basically about Slash and Steven Adler, who were like really, really into heroin. And oh. Slash was pissed. The other member was pissed too, like for that just call out, out, like so yeah, publicly. In front of everybody. Yeah. But supposedly, Axel, I mean, uh, Slash's like family and um, either even other family members from Steven Adler were like really thankful for Axel to like for doing that. Because from what it sounds like, it sounds like Axel did party, but not nearly to the extent everyone else did. He kind of seemed like he was like too much in control of the band to really like go as oh, far okay. as they did. You know what he mean? didn't want to lose that control. Yeah, I think that kind of was it. And as bad as Slash was, like, addiction-wise and just, like, completely into drugs and alcohol, Steven Adler was even worse. Yeah. And in 1990, he was fired and replaced with Matt Sorum. And okay. for the years after, kind of like how you mentioned with Boston, a lot of, like, suing and stuff, he did mm-hmm. – I mean, he claims that, like, they tried to trick him out of something in a contract and they, he thought he was, like, signing on for a little bit more. And there actually was him signing, like, you know, he's not going to be part of the band anymore. He's not going to get this anymore. Uh, but okay. like, it's, like, a lot of, like, back and forth of, like, yeah. no, that's not what we did. So it's kind of hard to know for sure and to mm-hmm. say this is definitively what happened. So That is something that there. was interesting that I didn't mention in the, uh, the Boston podcast, but it kind of goes along with this, is that the partying part of like sex drugs and rock and roll like boston from what i could tell it didn't seem that tom schultz and brad delp like got heavily into that um Mm -hmm. it never seemed like that they were partiers much of partiers or and Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the reasons that second tour that they went on in like 78 and 79 that's one of the reasons they hated that tour so much is because it was so full, like everywhere they went, there was just drugs everywhere. And like, Mm. that's all the bands were doing is like partying and being crazy. And that's one of the reasons why they hated it so much is what I had gathered from it. So it's interesting to see those dynamics in in these bands of that era. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Stephen Adler was fired in 1990. And something important to note is that for those first two albums, and even for like the time before, Axel especially was getting in a lot of trouble with just incidents like of assault or starting a fight and like just very, it seemed like hot tempered, like always just like going off on somebody. So like I mentioned in the other one, like riots almost broke out and stuff. Well, riots did actually break out in this one. And the two biggest ones are most notably the 1991 Riverport Riot, and I'll explain that in a minute, and then another one in Montreal when they were on tour with Metallica. So the 1991 Riverport Riot was in St. Louis area, Mm -hmm. and um, during their show, they'd only played a few songs so far, and Axl Rose noticed a fan with a camera and was supposedly yelling for the security to take the camera away from him. And Mm -hmm. they either just didn't do it or weren't able to, so Axel threw his mic down, like the mic shattered, and supposedly said, I'll just do it myself then. Jumped into the crowd, <gasps> took it, and was like, "I, yeah, throwing punches here and there. <gasps> and so, yeah. And he was pulled out by crew members, and he reportedly said, well, thanks to this lame-ass security, uh, I'm going home. 
And so the rest of the band left. So that caused just mayhem, right? Like and show's over. Yeah, and important to note is that in the thank you notes for an upcoming album in, that I'll talk about next is in the thank you notes where you normally like just have like tons of people listed. Yeah, the acknowledgement. He wrote, he wrote fuck you St. Louis. Like just in between a bunch of names, <gasps> they wrote fuck you St. Louis. Yeah. And um Yeah. It's kind of funny. And there was an article. Oh, and he also would wear St. Louis sucks shirts like everywhere. Oh. Like he was pictured in those. So like lots of bad blood. It wasn't like a oh yeah. man, like I didn't deliver a good show. Sorry, my temp no, it was like well, it was like on. And in 2017, the Riverfront Jeez. Times, a little news outlet, mm-hmm. there's a headline that says, it is your civic duty to hate on Axl Rose because they were going back. And, <sighs> at the, and so they're giving them pointers like, oh, if you're going to, you know, here's how to show like St. Louis pride and like diss them this way uh-huh. or that way or that way. And at the <laughs> if you're end, paying money to see the band, <laughs> here's yeah, how to diss them. <laughs> they're basically calling them like traitors if they're going to go see Guns N' Roses like, uh, okay, okay. after what happened, like all yeah. that bad shit. And at Jeez. the end of the article, it's like, at least take a whole fuckload of pictures. Let's see you try and stop us, Axel. Like there's mm. some tension still. Great. So. Yeah, so that's important. And they did, I want to say it was that one where they were going to get arrested, but they like left immediately. And mm-hmm. I think they got arrested. Oh, man, I should have known that. Like the band um, was going to get arrested? Yeah, for inciting a riot. Or Axel. Oh, um, yeah. and, and then in Montreal, they were like co-headlining with Metallica, which yeah. at that time especially, in they were like both huge, 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 huge. And right. when Metallica was playing, the lead singer, James Hetfield, was, like, really badly burned on stage, like, second-degree burns from mm-hmm. an issue with the pyrotechnics, and they had to stop the show. And, like, mm-hmm. it was it was really bad. He had to go to the hospital. And so Guns N' Roses was supposed to go on early, but something that had been already happening and already a problem was Axel showing up late to all mm-hmm. these shows when he was mm-hmm. supposed to be there. So they were supposed to go on early because of Metallica having to step off, and he, he was there. already running late for their normal start time. Oh, so geez. a few hours go by and it's <gasps> a huge crowd. Yeah. Like, and they didn't go on for about two hours. And supposedly Axel had been complaining to the band and to others of like difficulty with his voice and vocal cords. Mm-hmm. And there was an issue with the PA where they couldn't hear anything correctly. Ooh. So the band just agreed to leave early, like a few yeah. songs in. And... Then a riot ensued and Mm -hmm. there was like, apparently it's like a closed in stadium and there was like fires and this like, and just crazy. How scary. (laughs) One, one of the things was like, I know Canada's known for niceness, but you know, this one in Montreal did not go down well. And so they, when you do piss them off. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, I don't know if it was that same tour. I I mean, it must've been, what year was that again? Like 1991? 91. That seems like it's on par. I remember my mom saying that she saw, not in Montreal, of course, but probably San Antonio, she saw uh, Metallica open for Guns N' Roses. And this has always stuck out in my mind because I was always like blown away by what she said. She said that Metallica like outplayed Guns N' Roses by far. And she was mm-hmm. like, you know, we went there and we we liked Metallica, but we were really there for Guns N' Roses. And then Metallica just like blew them out of the water and Mm -hmm. so it's like they put on a great show and then guns and roses came on and it was like eh. 
and yeah, it wasn't what anybody was expecting. So I'm sure it was that same tour, but that's yeah. I'm glad there was no riots where my mom was. Yeah, so. that's crazy because um, it it does seem like Axel not only would show up late, but like if he got mad about something, he was just done. Like the show, yeah. he was done. He walked like off throwing tantrums. Yeah, pretty much. Like, and I think one of them did refer to as it as tantrums. Yeah, it was like oh another tantrum by Axel, <laughs> and so obviously the band's like upset like sure with him for doing that and giving him a bad name in that way and stuff um so later that year in september 1991 they released two albums it's it's they're kind of double albums but they're released separately so it's Mm -hmm. use your illusion one and use your illusion two which are their third and fourth albums and they're released simultaneously um simultaneously i feel like i said that word so Mm -hmm. those have november rain knocking on heaven's door live and let die don't nice. Cry, Civil War, You Could Be Mine, and Yesterday's. And it did well. Not mm-hmm. as well as the other ones, but yeah. it did really well still. Um, Guns N' Roses just has a lot of like power in that way. Mm-hmm. They went on a two-and-a-half-year tour, and again, late starts by hours. By <sighs> hours late starts. And Axl Rose leaving like mid-set whenever he's upset. And this is interesting because it ties into another one of the episodes that I talked about. In 1992, Slash died for eight minutes. What? For eight, eight minutes. minutes. Yeah. From so heroin? He, from heroin. And he was in a hotel. They found him on the floor in the hallway. A worker found him and called, had the drummer of the band called. So at that time, it's Matt mm-hmm. Sorum because Steven right. Adler is already out. Okay. And then they called paramedics and they were able to bring him back. And I feel like at some point you would think like it's been too long. Yeah. And no. No, nope. eight. He's mi- back. How do eight they minutes? Mi- That's crazy. I don't know. I guess as far as they knew, eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it could have been longer. Maybe longer. not. I'm not sure. But interesting. Because how long was Nikki Six dead for? Like two I think minutes? that was like two minutes when okay. Nikki Six. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting. Slash <laughs> has six minutes on Nikki Six. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. And so I mean, you would think. Like, that's, that's insane. a shock. I, you have to change yeah. your lifestyle. And, and I, I think he did. And now, mm-hmm. as of right now, or like today, he's sober, sober. But yeah. like, it was in steps. It wasn't like a clean, right. like, he's like, wake up call. It's like, okay, so he quit that out or cut that out. And then now yeah. he's still yeah. on, you know, X, Y, and Z. But a lot of these guys thought, that went so hard in their early days are sober now. Like, if yeah. they're still alive, they're sober, which it's... We've talked about this several times, pretty much with every band. Mm-hmm. It's like, how? How are they still around when they've yeah. been abusing their bodies like this? And it's just I mean, resilience. Yeah. Just and sounds like that. Sheer like, luck. When it's your time, it's your time. Because, like, they did so much that yeah. could have and yeah. maybe to some degree should have killed them. It is crazy to think, like... Over the span of, like, 60s, 70s, 80s, like, these bands, you would think... I know that it's readily available for them, and that's the lifestyle, and that's what you do, and... But you mm-hmm. would think that some of these guys would be like, oh, that's not working out so great for them. Yeah, especially Maybe when so I many of their idols, like, yeah. had a tragic end, like, we Jimmy talked Hendrix, about in another episode, like, Janis Elvis Joplin. and Joplin, yeah. yeah. Like, it just seems like, how is there a good ending to this ever? Like, I mean, well, Slash is fine I mean, now, I guess. But you couldn't know but that. But he wasn't then. fine for that eight minutes. Yeah, he <laughs> wasn't. He almost Jeez. really, really wasn't. 
That's insane. I had no idea. And then their fifth album is called The Spaghetti Incident? Question mark. It was in November of 93. And it's it's all covers by bands like The Misfits, The Damned, um, The Stooges, Nazareth, uh, Johnny Thunders, and a few others. And so it's called that because that original drummer, Steven Adler, he would nickname his stash of drugs Spaghetti. Because he would put it in like <gasps> next to like the Italian takeout containers in the Jeez. fridge. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so that was like his code name. Whenever the band was asked about it by a lawyer, they <laughs> asked him like, can you tell us about the spaghetti incident? And so they just thought that was like really funny. <laughs> and yeah, so that's how they got the name. Spaghetti <laughs> incident. And he's not even part of the band anymore. Jeez. But so this album has 12 songs well at one point it had 12 songs okay so they release an advanced copy for like critics and for the reviews and stuff and then the actual copy technically has 13 but Mm -hmm. they didn't want reviewers to know or really it's axel okay it's axel who didn't Mm -hmm. their 13th track is a cover of a charles manson song called look at your game girl so on the twelfth song, at like minute two seventeen mm-hmm. of the twelfth song, it changes into "Look at Your Game Girl" by Charles Manson, and he put it on an album called "Lie: The Love mm-hmm. and Terror Cult" in nineteen seventy, and that got a lot of shit, obviously, because I'm sure everyone knows Charles Manson was the leader of the cult that ended up having people murdered, right. including famously Sharon Tate. Right. Um, and so apparently the uh, rest of the band was really uncomfortable with it, didn't like it, but mm-hmm. Axel did want to keep it on. And I didn't know he was a musician. Yeah, he had like a whole album. He was like trying to get out. And when, when I read about it, it was like some of the reviews were like, this isn't actually that bad, but just knowing the history and knowing like, you know, what these songs you like might yeah. have meant, it's like yeah. you can't separate it. And, and it's, I mean, obviously. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they, with he it, intentionally yeah. kept it off the initial reviews and because oh. he knew it was going to cause something. But supposedly, once it came out that that was on the record, it was like some were like critics saying it's a desperate attempt, like just trying to still seem like bad boy and dangerous and mm-hmm. like, you know, out there like that. And um, of course, it caused a ton of controversy. So they he did apologize for it. But... They eventually worked out that the royalties would be donated to the son of one of Manson's victims oh. from their royalties. And mm-hmm. then the record label would give their royalties to the Doris Tate Crime Victims Bureau, which was founded by Sharon Tate's mother. So it was like, they're not going to oh. take it off, but any money they do make, they'll donate. So it's still weird and like yeah. iffy. And I, I can't remember. I should have made a note of it, but at first I was like, this is even weirder, but... Yeah. supposedly he heard the song because um was it trent reznor of nine inch nails and marilyn manson like they all kind of met somehow and marilyn manson told him about the one other part of a charles manson song mm-hmm. and so axel was intrigued and looked into mm-hmm. it and that's kind of what inspired this but that marilyn manson was like really upset that it's becoming like trendy to use oh. Charles Manson songs. And I'm like, oh, oh this is all weird. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the whole thing so, is yeah, weird. So, yeah, so that was just crazy. I don't yeah. know. I, I did not know that by any means. So. I didn't know that either. It does seem like, and I, I kind of hope that it 
was more so just like an attention grab and like, mm-hmm. hey, if we do this, it'll get people talking about the album and eat me. Like, what is it? Like, n- there's no such thing as bad press or bad something. Press, yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'm. I hope it was more so of that than like, ooh, I really like this and I. I I really want to yeah. speak well, the, on it. Well, the you know? song itself, if you look at the lyrics, there's nothing like outwardly like red flags, but because no, you know but, the history. Yeah. And then some of the critics were like, oh, you can kind of see like almost like an underlayer mm-hmm. of an underlying layer of like, oh, you can see how he's making the female like question herself or like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, I, I don't remember yeah. exactly, like, but like basically like feel insecure into where he yeah. can kind of Manipulate. go in and. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's awful and interesting. So right. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so there's just a lot of frustrations through all these years. And <laughs> between Adler getting fired and frustrations with Axel, the other ones quit. And so okay. Axel, in 1998, he is the only original member left. And hmm. that's it. And not much happens for like 10 years. There's a lot of like almost starting and almost this or... Uh, mm-hmm. rumors of like they're coming back they're gonna do this they're gonna release their next album and i think in like 2002 axel rose did like a vma performance and mm-hmm. like not even with the rest of guns and roses and i can mm-hmm. i saw a picture and i was like oh yeah i remember that then in november 2008 they released their last album called chinese democracy and it went, did really well in the beginning it reached number three on the billboard top 200 but it's considered like industrial rock electronic rock metal and hard rock so but it took over eight years to record and release stopped and started many times was promised like for many mm-hmm. years like oh yeah it's gonna release this year and it kind of sounds like axel like how i mentioned in, in another one of the albums like his need for control and stuff and just like also the perfectionism which suited them well in the beginning obviously considering how their albums Mm -hmm. turned out and different musicians even came and would like play on it on whatever he you know said this is what i have but not everything Mm -hmm. made the final cut or like people would be like oh i thought i was on that record (laughs) it's like well no they actually (laughs) redid it and you know so it went through so many like versions but um so that was released in november of 2008 that would be such a bummer yeah but in March of 2008, oh, I had no idea about this. I thought this was like so strange. In March of 2008, the Dr. Pepper said they would offer a free can of soda to everyone in America except for Slash, previous guitarist, and Buckethead, yeah. who's, you would recognize him, but he's a guitarist who was in the band for a few years, like I think 2000 to 2004, and he like recorded some songs, but I don't even know if they made the record. Mm-hmm. Um, they would give a can of soda to everyone in America, except for those two, if the album was released in 2008. So Axel was like, agreed. And then the day of the, we- I know, right? The day of the release, the actual album release, the website servers crashed for Dr. Pepper from everyone trying to get the coupon and like be able to get that. And so apparently the band's lawyers, I don't know if Axel was behind this or not, but uh-huh. the band's lawyers threatened the company two days after the album release saying that it defrauded customers and ruined the release of the Mm -hmm. album and then later axel rose said he didn't think his lawyer should have made a big deal and all this stuff but i was just like dr pepper got involved so weird i was not that just seemed so out of the blue um that is really why like so they were on axel's side they didn't why did they not want I don't know. I don't know. I know that was so, like, I don't know. That's so weird. I, I love Dr. Pepper. I love a good Dr. Yeah, Pepper. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but 
I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's their hmm. last album that they've released. They did have like greatest hits and I think Appetite for Destruction, mm-hmm. they did like a live one and they all that. But in 2012, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And mm-hmm. Slash and Duff did rejoin the band to tour in 2016 to 2019. And mm-hmm. Slash and Duff and Matt were all in Velvet Revolver with Dave Kushner and Scott yes. Weiland, okay. uh, the one from Stone yes. Temple Pilots, which we talked about, uh-huh. I think, during the Van Halen episode, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. When they were supposed to be inducted, they were going to have Velvet Revolver. Um, mm-hmm. And currently, they are about to tour Europe. Yo, I said that weird. They're about to tour Europe, <laughs> Europe South America, and Australia this summer through the fall. We missed the U.S. Oh, leg wow. of the tour last year. Because of COVID? No, 2021. Uh, oh, they did it? Yeah. Oh, wow. And it, that's with uh, Axl Rose and That's Slash. with Axl Rose and Slash and um, Duff. Izzy Stradlin and Adler are still not there. I don't oh. remember if Matt Sorum is there right now. Let's see. And who's Buckethead? So if you if you saw a picture of him, you would recognize him. He's like a guitarist that's kind of, I guess, been in several bands and is big on his own. But once I saw a picture, I was like, oh, yeah, I do recognize him, but I don't know when oh, from. Oh, he literally wears a bucket yeah, on his Yeah, sorry. Head. I should have maybe mentioned that. Yeah, so that's currently it's Axl Rose slash Duff McKagan. So those are from the three from the original band. And then there's other people. Mm-hmm. Dizzy Reed, who's the keyboardist who went on in a, a few albums earlier, and then somebody named DJ Ashba, Frank Ferrer, and Melissa Reese. So they're touring, hmm. and three of them are original members. Didn't um, Axl Rose just perform somewhere with Carrie Underwood? Did I Whoa. That? I don't know. Hold on. Did they? Yeah, 2022 Stagecoach Music. Oh, that uh, festival? The 60-year-old threw it back to the 80s when he took the stage with Carrie Carrie's guitarist began the first few notes of Sweet Child of Mine that everyone mm. knows so well. The Denim and Rhinestone singer belted the first verse in What Else But Denim and Rhinestones. Then enters none other than Axl Rose, who sounds just as good as the studio recorded versions of Guns N' Roses' song. So I guess they did. Uh... God, her legs are insane. Her legs That's... are so enviable. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's a pretty cool outfit even, she has. I don't on even. Too. I know. I'm like, I don't even see Axl Rose. All I see is her like muscle. Yeah, <laughs> like that's Goals. bananas. Yeah, seriously. Um, I, for, yeah, I forgot she... to mention earlier. Sorry, I I think I got excited about the next part, but um, on Sweet Child mm-hmm. of Mine, so it's their highest charting Guns N' Roses song. That's their best hit. Oh yeah. And that was in '88. So Woo! That's my birth year. And for a long time, Slash hated that song because he didn't want to do like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. So, yeah. And so my one hit wonder, totally switching gears, okay. totally switching gears, is by a band called Wild Cherry. And the okay. song is called Play That Funky Music, White Boy. I just heard that yesterday really? on the radio. Yay. Yeah. I love that song. And I saw it. <laughs> That's so funny because I looked and so when you said Wild Cherry, I was like, where did I just see that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was yesterday. So um, it was released in 1976 and it did go to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. And Wild Cherry had been a rock band and they were mostly a cover band. I'm not sure if they did have some of their own originals, but they were playing like Zeppelin and Foghat and like just tons of other ones. And they were playing clubs and bars and at one of the clubs in Pittsburgh... A man came up to the drummer in the dressing room and told him, 
you better play that funky music, white boy. So he wrote that song because so in 1976 is there they're a rock band and so many like clubs are turning to like disco and funk and like you know Mm -hmm. the bars they're playing aren't hitting as well as maybe they might have in a different time or maybe in just different bars and the crowds wanted to hear more of like funk and disco songs so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so they were like it pretty much just mirrored like what a lot of people were telling us in different ways of like uh, can you play something we can like dance to, you know? And can you play that funky? So music? their inspiration for like the sound of it was if Led Zeppelin were to have sung "That's the Way I Like It" by Casey and the Sunshine Band. Those were their two like main references <gasps> to creating this song, which I thought was really funny. So um, yeah, that's my one hit wonder. Anything nice. else about Guns N' Roses or Wild Cherry? Uh, um yeah it's i feel like guns and roses is one of the bands that i was kind of bummed (laughs) to learn more about (laughs) i don't want to you know have this like taint any of the magic of the the music Mm -hmm. and so i don't think it will because they're just so iconic and so good and you have such a, a deep founded love for the music prior to knowing a lot yeah. of this um but it's just a little bit like i i love skid row i'm really excited to do an episode on skid row because of the music not so much <laughs> excited to delve into the politics of the band and sebastian yeah. bach and get into all of that but the music why yeah that's where it's like hard um, because there's yeah. lots of people who especially considering we're talking about such older bands from where we are now is like since right. then different things have come out and all that but like yeah. you think yeah. of like um michael jackson like like that's gonna be yeah h- how do you separate sometimes like this person from these songs and i mean i'm s- still a huge fan and i i don't know I it's know, really hard yeah. and like you know my kids love those you're songs, a fan so yeah really you're a fan hard. of the music yeah. and yeah but I, I know your mom is a really big fan yeah. of, of Michael Jackson. Huge. Right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it, it, it is hard to separate what you learn in like news and about things as them like as a person. But the music that they make is that. Well, know. especially because we are learning this now. And like when I was growing up about Michael mm-hmm. Jackson, one, I knew he would get in trouble with stuff, but I didn't know exactly what when I was growing up. I just. I knew yeah. mostly like we love this music, we love these songs. Like they're always played. Yeah, in well, my we house. knew like the the red leather jacket wearing. Yeah, Michael like Jackson, so. You know? It's not like we're finding something out about a band and then going like, "Ooh, I want to go listen to them," and have never heard before, mm-hmm. and then like that. That's right. why we're listening to them or like to support them. Yeah, because like, that would kind of be like that. That reminds me how we just talked about like the Charles Manson thing. Like I didn't know. Like I wouldn't go back now and like listen to. Mm-hmm. Charles Manson's music now, yeah, because <laughs> and then like, be why would I? That. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that it's just an interesting look on that. But you did a good job. Thanks. All right. So uh, we mentioned this last time, but if you have any requests for a specific band, they're either on our list or we will put them on our list and we will do them sooner. We can we move can them up, up them. Yes. Yes. So if you have any requests. Uh, let us know know. you can comment or message us on instagram or facebook or you can just like if you know us personally like text us or 
call us or whatever. Heck yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, rock out and ramble on. Bye.